Doug Shelley Constable from the Amos Hill Company here in Hillbilly Caviar Studios. You're watching Guitar Tales with Dave Cohn. All Dave, all day. Get you some. We have Johnny Compton and Corey Feldman <laughs> right next to each other at the beginning of the show because I wanted to open by saying the great Johnny Compton. Does that mean I say the great Corey Feldman? Maybe I do. Uh, we have a really fun show tonight with a very grumpy guy who will be joining us, uh, J.R. Everhart, who's fabulous. I've been watching his YouTube videos. And before we take him out of the green room and into this room, uh, as we do every week, we'd like to thank our sponsor, which is uh, the great Charles Lorita of the Great Mischief Studios. Go there to get your instrument fixed, and then you record the next great tune on it, and you make friends over there. You take some lessons, and you market it. You'll get all that done there. Charles is fabulous. Uh, so we really highly recommend you go there. The other thing we'd like you to do for us, which is a lot of effort, it's really difficult, but we think you could do it. We have faith in you subscribe it's a challenge but you could pull it off we have confidence in you and all that silliness aside if you do that you'll get a little bit more in your feed from our show we put out a lot of content and not me but scott gasharmasis Stengel, who will be co-hosting uh with me tonight does a fabulous job of taking a nice long beefy show like we'll be doing tonight and he gets all these little chunks so you'll get the one the two minute clips and they're just like a little thing to brighten your day. Maybe you get a chuckle out of it. Maybe you learn. Maybe you're just mildly entertained. If you subscribe to the show, like just by hitting that, and we have the icon there. You can take your phone. We have the, uh, uh, the QR code there. It'll end up in your feed a little more often, and you can watch us. It helps us get the word out. It helps us get great guests like JR. Uh, because we have JR tonight because he started watching the show about a year or two ago. So it also helps us to get better content. Uh, so with that being said, we're pulling two people into the studio. And J.R. Everhart, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. You know, it's funny. Um, Scott was chatting with us earlier, and he's hopping in the studio soon, I believe. Um, we already did a show because it's just people who love music talking. And then Scott did the right thing. He shut us up. He said, that's a show. And we always right. like to keep it organic. You uh, may talk now. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Welcome to the party, Scott. Hey, kids. <laughs> that's right. I got my Halloween. I'm seeing how finally my background matches the Halloween spirit, which is up here 24 hours a day here at uh, in New Jersey. I'm a big at, horror, at, horror fan. At, uh, 33 Studios, right? Isn't that it? Studio 33, yeah. Yep. Broadcasting through Noise well, Networks. As much as I love the Hillbilly Caviar Studios name, I can't use Johnny's. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so, so before we get to JR, I started to tell Scott something and he shut me up. I was one night in my life a sound man. Um, I was in 10th grade, right before Scott and I started a band together, and I was the guitar player for a punk band, Bloody Smegma. And <laughs> that always nice. gets everybody's attention. <laughs> yeah. And right. it was, I later became real family oriented band, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and I wasn't in the band yet. They had me do sound. They were playing at Trenton State College, and um, they were so bad uh, that someone uh, shut the power on them. And Wow. I, I was in 10th grade 
and I was trying to um, chat it up with a college woman. And I told her that I went to Goucher College, not knowing it's an all-girls school. And that's about as successful as I was that night. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah. That's still rock and roll. It's still <laughs> rock and roll. They, I don't know if they were rock and roll. My first day with the band, I said, let's tune up, guys. And they said, we don't do that. <laughs> nice. Which nice. is why Scott and I ended up together. Anyway, enough about me and us. You do amazing stuff. Uh, I was watching your YouTube videos. You, you are an artist when it comes to sound. And, and because you've been in a business, I think, for three decades now, um, yeah. you, you put out these really cool videos. Um, and a lot of them are, this is what grinds my gears. And I love that. This week, we're just going to talk about things that grind my gears in the music business. And then once you get over sort of that, that really cool catchphrase which I, I think might is that wasn't that um family guy, family I think. guy. yeah i love family guy yeah um, yeah yeah but but you end up giving really helpful information helpful advice i heard you talking about how and when for band should practice depending upon skill level so so my first question for you is what got you into giving these really cool uh, little tasty videos what, what got you started with that? Uh, COVID. <clears throat> you know, COVID was kind of like the abyss of boredom, you know, and um, I was just starting to dabble with TikTok a little bit and uh, really enjoyed, the, the, enjoyed the, the different types of content on there. I uh, was starting to, you know, the longer you're on there, the more the AI algorithms will start feed to your interests. So I started getting some um, you know, videos from other production people uh, all over the world, you know, and uh, bands and whole, you know, because there's a ton of bands on TikTok. And I was like, right. man, I got all this downtime because, I mean, literally for the first months, you know, after we had the first shutdown, I did absolutely nothing. And I was just losing. Um, you know, thankfully, out here in West Virginia, I have a nice, you know, three acre property and there's stuff to do around the yard. But, you know, in March, there's not a lot to do outside, you know? So uh, yeah. I just I just started this, you know, just putting rants, you know, out of frustration on TikTok uh, and kind of coined the, you know, the uh, stereotype that every sound guy is going. So I did the grumpy sound guy thing, thinking that, you know, if you look at that hashtag, there's probably like 19 bazillion guys out there calling themselves the grumpy sound guy. And it turned out it really wasn't. And I was like, oh, well, wow, that's kind of interesting, you know, and I've always sort of had a marketing mind about myself. I mean, I run my own business. So, you know, I, I do pay a Marcus consultant to help me out, especially since this online content has taken off. But it really just came out of here's just a long list of like, you know, kind of taking that Lewis Black approach, you know, to just ranting about the music business. You know, guitar players that turn up after sound check. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, uh, your venues that are like the size of a, of a cigar, eight piece horn band and then complain about volume all night. You know, all the things yeah. that we deal with in middle market, because really middle market is, you know, the awareness that I'm trying to bring to my content is that middle market really represents the predominant amount of music in our country. You know, there's probably... You know, for every national event that happens in a major city, there's probably a playing acoustic all the way up to 10-piece horn bands all around town. Right. 
You know, sure. so and I, I think that a lot of cover bands don't realize just how big of a role the middle market plays in the music scene. So just kind of playing off all that kind of stuff and then started the YouTube channel really is more of an educational thing. Like I was goofing off on TikTok, sharing it on Facebook, which Facebook is kind of where most of my phone, at least the organic stuff. Um, right. So I started the, the YouTube channel like, well, here's how you do in-ear monitors. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. Even got on the console a couple of times and did some live stuff where I was showing how my start scene is set up, you know, and things like that. And then <clears throat> those were really long videos. And then as I started to bring the marketing guys in with me, that down and really get serious about six months ago uh, about really trying to do something with the grumpy sound guy, you know, persona, because everywhere I go, it's that's what everybody wants to talk about. Like yeah. it's gained me so much street credit that it's just ridiculous to the point to where <laughs> I have some bands that are afraid to hire me because they're afraid oh, no. that I'm going to just online critique and like, you know, roast them oh, or something on it. my channel. <laughs> I had I a band it. like three weeks ago and it was like <clears throat> their sound guy bailed out at the last minute and it was the last day of the month that I had open and I was actually going to have the night off and he called and he's a buddy and you know how it goes. So I went and did the gig. Right. And he was like, man, when the singers found out that you were going to be running sound, they were like, man, we really got to write. Otherwise, the grumpy sound guy is going to be talking about us on Tuesday in Facebook, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I think oh he's brought God. some accountability to the table, too, which, you know, helps all of us, really. Yeah. You do all kinds of uh, size venues, right? You do small and large. Yeah, yeah. I don't do a whole bunch of pro touring level stuff. I used to freelance for some companies years ago. I'm really more just, I'll be 51 this month and I'm trying to work smarter and not harder. You know, yeah, I'm right. fighting feverishly to stay small. I have a mobile stage and we have a very middle of the road, middle market, you know, audio and lighting setup. We're really good at like wine festivals, um, you know, brewery festivals, beer truck festivals, that middle market community concert series kind of stuff wheelhouse and clp audio nice. there's plenty of uh, meat on the bone when it comes to that kind of stuff yeah absolutely because you know i mean the bigger you go the more complicated it gets the more yeah. stress is involved you know in the pro touring companies i've worked for in the past i'm still really good friends with the owners of those companies and they really their life is just on 11 all the time you know, right. and I just don't have a desire to be at that stress level and have, you know, an army of employees to keep up with and an admin staff and uh, a buddy of mine's company of Frederick just moved into a new warehouse, you know, so that's, it's just, the numbers look great coming in, but there's a lot of overhead and I'm not taking anything away from them, them um, but it's not, it's not a pathway that I want to be on at this stage of my life. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So I have, I have my first question about what you do then. So my favorite watering hole, five miles from where we are right now, they bring in really great little bands. Like I, I saw a couple of kids. Uh, we're old enough to call them that. They were probably 30, right? Just a young kid and, and probably his girlfriend. Great singer, great guitar player. It's a bar where you want to be talking at the bar and they, they didn't have a sound person. It was just the two of them, you know, the kids. Right, right, right. But, but when, what do you do with the bands to, to sort of create the vibe where people can enjoy the music, but there's so many venues I'll go to where it's not a place where we're looking at the band, you know, we're, we're having dinner or, you know, like, let's try to get a table as far as we can from the band, that kind of sure, venue. Sure. 
how do you how do you take the temperature of the room and do you ever have to fight with the band you know to make sure that they're at a reasonable level he never I was fights just with talking about this I was just talking about this today in in my yeah. reels and my shorts because um, this whole well, the shorts are just about it just gives us a list of stuff that pisses me off you know and one of them is um, these venues like you're describing where the band is kind of an afterthought you know right. it's not a purpose-built venue where you're like a theater where the stage is the center of the attention of the room every the room is positioned to put you looking at the stage um, it's really going to depend on the and the guitar player you know if those guys can behave and really keep it under control then what i typically do in that environment is mix smarter not harder you know so i'm not going to put more in the sound system that needs to be in there so i may only like put single 18 subs in maybe only one single 18 sub and just put a little bit of kick in there for presence you know uh, maybe the bass or the left hand of the keyboard in there just for presence obviously if you have a keyboard player they're going to depend on the system so you got to have them in the mix obviously the vocals but if the drums and, and the guitar get a little loud, I just pull them out of the mix and mix around that. So from the makes, audience yeah. perspective, it just sounds like it's all even, you know, when really the only thing in the sound system board or an acoustic guitar that's a direct input instrument, um, I might put an overhead over the over the drums just to catch a little overall zone miking kind of thing. But a lot of times I don't even do that. It's really like kick and maybe floor tom. The snare is always going to pop, you know, even if you're a light hitter. Um, I usually tell venues like that, book acoustic acts or acoustic, you know, sort of bureaus. If you want the audience to be able to have conversation level background music, which is basically what that is, then don't exactly. put don't put a four piece rock band in there. That's known for, you know, playing Slayer and Megadeth, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, put a band in there. That's, right. Right. You know, and it's all about adjusting your expectations of what your, your live music sits you. And that's something that a lot of bar owners really don't take time to think about. They're like, I man, we just want to yeah. get, they want to make a quick buck. So they want to get the band that, that draws the most people, you know, shoehorn them into the corner of their room. And then when everybody, you know, can't hear each other talk and the bartender can't hear people giving, you know, taking, you know, trying to take orders over the bar, then everybody's losing their mind. And it's like, well, you're up for disaster here. Because, That's I mean, exactly right. yep. drums is an instrument you literally have to hit with a piece of lumber, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. It's going to be loud, you know? And then, yeah, and I love what you said. You have, so you've got the drums and, you know, say 80% of the drumming sound will be, you know, just drum to air, right? But then you have to get everyone around them and you have to build around them. And, and that's a hard task, especially if someone decides to put a drum kit in a, in a, in a venue where it's background music. That's got to uh, be hellish for you. I don't get too much of that yeah. stuff because cause where I am, uh, financially, at, you know, the fee that I charge doesn't usually fit into those budgets. So I don't get too many of those kind of gigs. If I do, it's in like you where they, they know the band's going to be loud because they typically have college bands or they have college-esque type bands, bands that are gearing their set lists toward college kids. Uh, so that's usually not so much of a problem. I think of a, a club in Frederick called Bushwallers that I mix at two or three times a year. It's about the size of a shoebox. But every set is a different crowd because in downtown Frederick, people bar 
You know, so the first set, you have like crowd A, you, the band takes a break, the room clears out and a whole nother crowd comes in, you know, so they're charging at the door each one of those, you know, sets. So they're, they're actually capitalizing on the fact that people really aren't going to stay more than 40 or 50 minutes in, in the room because there's plenty of people coming in to replace them. That's interesting. You know, so in that scenario, I always just allow us guy on stage i think a mistake a lot of young guys make is they want to get everything in the system and have control over everything well that's fine if we're an out at an outdoor gig or in a big room or you know something like that that's exactly what you want but when you're in a small room that's really what separates the men from the boys as far as sound engineering is concerned because less is always going to be more that makes a lot of sense i mean it really does and do you have issues when if everyone's in the board, do you have issue intra band issues where you'll have if two guitar players, you 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 know, you've made him louder than me or her louder than me. Oh yeah, that goes on all the time. And do you, as the sound uh, guy, how do you manage that? I really let the music dictate that. Okay. A rhythm player and we have a lead player. Uh and a lot of these like B rated bands, you know, A being yeah. the upper echelon, like the Amish Outlaws and Reagan years and, and the guys that really blow up the middle market Smoking here in the jackets. Atlantic. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you All know, right, those, those kind of bands are, are, are playing different venues than B bands, you know, in, in level of musicianship than B bands, you know. So my responsibility as a sound engineer for whatever client that I'm mixing is to make that band look as good as they can possibly look. So if I have somebody in the band who's maybe not quite that great of a guitar player or that great of a whatever fill in the blank backup singer, you know, I'm going to do my best to hide them in the mix. When it's all done and over with, when their fans are telling them how great they sounded, they're never going to know that they weren't in the mix. All they're going to know is, hey, we sounded great, man. This guy really is, is got yeah. it going on. And really, all I did was just try to remove the stuff that wasn't correct and mix for the music and not for the egos on stage. Right. So he virtually removed one of the members of the band. I try to keep them in as <laughs> much as possible. When, when, they're, when they're playing their parts right, you know, hey, I want them there. You know, I'm very, yeah. very dialed into that. You know, I want to give everybody that, their fair shake. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to rob great. anybody of their spotlight, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it makes perfect. But if you're playing the song in the wrong key, you know, <laughs> yeah. by getting you out of the way until you figure out that hey, you know, you need to play this in a different key. <laughs> Instead of go, these go to eleven. These go to zero. Well, well. By right. the way, that was my that was my dirty little trick because uh, I'm a crappy guitar player, and that's not that's not fake humility. I am, but in one of my bands, I couldn't play one of the leads, and we had a better guitar player, so I would actually shut my volume and pretend. Oh, yeah. I was at, yeah. I was at peace with that, yeah. and nobody knew. The uh, and then nowadays so. we got bands. You know, um, Paul from Big Bang. Him and I have these conversations all the time. You know, some of these bands really it's just karaoke. You know, they're tracking everything, and the guitars are. You know, they're they've got a wireless pack with no batteries in it. You know, and that sort of thing, and they're just kind of like doing a little dance routine, and everything sounds like the real record. You know, <laughs> we have a whole show lined up. We'll be talking about that with him. Yeah, how yeah, AI yeah, yeah. And different things are kind of ruining music a little bit. Yeah, sure. Now, do you do you get involved with the rigs that uh, the guitar players and the bass players have, or is, is that sort of just them when you're doing it? 
It, it depends on who they are. If it's someone that I'm personal friends with and they, they not because I know that's kind of a sacred thing for, I'm a drummer, you know, so I really don't want anybody messing with my kit unless there's someone I respect and I'm saying, Hey, what do you think about this? Or I'm right, having right. a problem with this. Can I get your sounding board kind of thing? And I, I get that quite a bit. Um, but I'm not trying to, to weave my way into uh, being ultra controlling over what I mix a whole lot of guitar players that have horrible tone and don't care. Yeah, you know, really? I, this, this is what their fans have come to know them as. And I may make a, a small suggestion here or there the first couple times we play together. But if I feel like those suggestions are falling on deaf ears, I'm trying to make money. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not going to offend this guy and come off like, like, dude, you're just not listening. It's horrible. You know, that, that's not going to get me anywhere. You know, this is what right. this guy brings to the table. This is what their fans have gotten used to hearing. This is their sound. Whether I think it's great or I think it sucks, that's between them and the fans. I'm going to do my best as a sound guy just to reinforce it and make it sound as fat and as good as I can. But, I mean, you know, it's it's a microphone, man, not a miracle worker. You know, you can only do so much with it. And with some of these cats, man, especially these guys with the pedal boards with like 28 pedals and 316 little little cables go bad. Those are the, those guys are the bane of my existence because the little cables go bad and they always want to blame it on my end. Well, it didn't do it last night, you know. So I have <laughs> to jump through all the political who, you know, helping them realize it in your pedal board. Plug your guitar directly into the amp and see what happens. And then when they yeah. realize, hey, I guess it is. It's just fo simple signal flow. Follow the signal flow, you know, kind of thing. That's all it is. But I I don't want to be part of that that conversation because. You could spend 30 or 40 minutes in this guy's pedal board without even dropping a dime. And I usually don't have time for that. You know, right. so, I mean, if you want my help, I'll help you. But this is your rig. You put it together. I'm not going to be able to wave a magic wand over it and make it stop buzzing or whatever it is that's going on. That's the problem with some of the, the, the expensive Kemper stuff. Sounds amazing. But if that unit dies on you and you don't have a backup yeah. plan, you're in big trouble. You're dead. And then... The whole idea of, you know, a zillion pedals. I mean, some people pull it off beautifully. And, and I've sort of pushed us into this segue here. Scott knows what I'm about to chat about. We had Rick Taylor of RBI Music on, I think, two episodes ago, maybe one episode ago. We became fast friends with him. He did the coolest thing ever. And this is a free plug for him. Uh, he sent Scott and I each one of these. So okay. it is the coolest thing in the history of cool things. So remember Silvertone from Sears? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, yeah. Everyone does. Remember the Silvertone amp, the 212, right? Sure, yeah. This is the Jackson Audio Silvertone 1484. It replicates the sound of the Silvertone wow. 1484 amp. And we were just, before we went on, Scott and I, were I plugged mine in. It, it's the most amazing pedal you've ever listened to kind of crazy it's, wow. it's not it's not really so much an overdrive although it can be it makes my old and it turns out i have an old vintage amp which is also owned by rbi music and it just makes it sound like a silver tone so wow that's you, amazing yeah it is and, and to talk about your guys if they had enough confidence right some of these bands they could take one pedal like that sure and, and clean yeah. with a little bit of flavor in there and they'll sign, and let you work the rest. No, I stripped down my rig too. I used to carry a big pedal board, and and I did the line six thing with the their big pedal board thing. And then I just got it down to like 
one unit, $300 unit, yeah. overdrive, modulation, delay, reverb, and a boost, and that's it. Done. I see a bunch of guys using the Helix, um, and they'll get in there and customize it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And that typically never works out great. So I probably run into more thin sounding guitars because guys just don't understand the technology, that fat tone out of these digital processors. Um, I've got, I know have mixed other guys, especially I do a lot of up and coming Nashville guys, you know, acoustic duos, like three and four piece guys that are doing like field dates coming through, you know, up 95 or up, you know, 81 or something like that. Um, and I've seen a couple of those guys with helixes that sounded like a million. It was minimal stuff. It's the same thing we deal with with digital consoles. You know, when digital consoles came to the forefront, they were amazing for a thousand different reasons. But one of the Achilles heels of that, and I run into to this, I interned some guys from a local university from their audio, uh, you know, uh, degree class, and it's like, man, just because you have twenty from the can apply to that channel doesn't mean you should you right. know it, it's like the difference between intelligence understanding that tomatoes are technically a fruit where wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad you know what i'm saying it's <laughs> that, that kind of mentality you know where less is always more and the cats that understand that and don't try to compress every patch and eq like play really good guitars you know what i'm saying have it at the source i'm kind of a purist that way you know, because right, I yeah. came up, I'm 51, I'm old enough to remember analog. I came out of the analog world into the digital world. And I remember the first time I looked at a digital console, I was like, this is going to be a disaster for guys who don't understand analog, because they're going to think because it's available, we should use this on every channel. And you really don't. Yeah, and, and it's really, it's degrading what your right hand and left hand are doing on the strings. Absolutely. You know, if, if, you, don't, if you don't do it with intention. Sure. You know, I mean, yeah. like, I, you know, like, I, you know, I joke that I'm not good, but I know like I could cover up a lot, but if you want really good music, if you're not doing it with intention, if you're not doing it with focus and planning on what you want to accomplish, I mean, I'm listening to you talking about what you're doing with intention for the sound of the band. And you're sure. talking about maybe getting the ambient sound of a Tom Tom and you're saying snare doesn't need it because it'll pop on its own acoustic guitar obviously you want that straight into the board there, there's a science to what you're doing there's an intention to what you're doing sure and you're not goofing around you, you're saying right here's the venue there's 300 people in here the band's over here they're right. you know 20 feet from the nearest table i want the people in front to not be overwhelmed but i want the people in the back to hear i want these rear speakers here i got to make sure the band can hear what they're doing you know with the mm -hmm. monitors all that stuff but you're doing it with intention yeah, you're going to own it, you know, because it's, it's your mix. And I take that very personal because that's just kind of the way I'm the same way with my drumming. I'm, I'm OCD. I'm a detail guy. I'm a big personality. You know, I, I got to I am very meticulous. I am not a set it and forget it sound guy, you know, like, and but I don't tinker till it's horrible, you know, because there's those guys, yeah. too, who don't know how to leave it alone. No, I'm just, each song may require a different vocal mix because there's three different vocalists in the band or because vocal two sings a harmony in the second song louder than they did in the first song. So I'm trying to stay dialed in on that. 
and be part of the presentation as if I was on stage. And that's where I think being a musician really helps you being a sound engineer because you get this in your, you know what I'm talking about. You get this in your DNA where you can't unplug from the music. Like it's just part of you, you know, and then right. mixing cover bands where I know 98.9% of the music they're playing anyways, I know when the guitar solo is coming. I know what the vocal harmony yeah. should sound like. You know, I'm going to try to mix it like the record and make it sound like the record. And again, it comes back to that experience thing where you know what not to do being as important as what you actually are proactive with doing. But whatever you do, own it. I was going to say, I, you know, even when I'm setting up with a sound guy, especially if it's a newer sound guy, uh, I have a lot of personal sound guy etiquette, I call it. You know, I'm not loodling on my guitar while he's trying to mic my amp while his head's right there. I'd yeah. be surprised. Surprised. I'm talking to the audience now. The awful things that sound guys have to go through with with bands oh, yeah. that are really green. Um, right as soon as we do it, they do a sound check right away. I can't hear my vocal. I can't hear my guitar. It's like 17 different orders coming okay. at the guy at once, and he's got to go. Let me work on his mic. Yeah. Let me see, what do you what do you need and now what do you need now i'm ready for you what do you need sure you know? yeah yeah you're and absolutely right like, it and goes a lot better absolutely and when you're in this in a middle market situation where nine times out of ten you're mixing monitors from front of house and i mean you know if you've got guys in in-ear monitors that's awesome that that takes that especially if they're all inclusive and they have their own split snake and their own mixer on stage, and they're mixing their own monitors. That makes a lot of young guys look good because they don't have to mix wedges because wedges are tough to mix, and you got to have a real dialed-in ear for frequency to get wedges right. Well, if I'm mixing your wedge mixes from front of house, I have to establish game structure in the house first and come back and get your wedge mixes right because that input gain on each channel affects the send to the wedge mixes. So it's like, guys, let me get front of house right. Then we'll come back through all this again, and we'll get monitors where we want it, and then give it a song or two in the first set, and let me get compression dialed in and things like that in a real-world application where the whole band of the audience, everybody's warmed up, singing like they should. The guitar player's finally figured out what volume he's going to play at for the night. You know, and you can dial all that stuff in, then come back like song three or four. I'll walk up to the stage and start looking at guys like, hey, man, you cool? You know, how you feeling? And then I'll make adjustments yet again and then save that after the first set. That's, that's, that's typically the way I handle that situation. You know what I love about what I just listened to? So we, we have in our audience, we have people who are going to understand every single thing you said. But this is my favorite part. There are people who watch our show who know nothing about this. And what I love about it is those same people will go to bars and venues and listen to music and enjoy it. And until they watch this show, will have had no understanding or appreciation yeah. of what the non-members of the band have to do to make sure that good sound is delivered to them. And that's, that's yeah. really cool. Because I, I would imagine the conventional wisdom among intelligent people who know a tiny bit about music, they'll just say, well, the band turns on their instruments and they have a PA system and they play. And if the sound's good, it's because the band's good. If the sound's bad, it's because the band's bad. And part of that is true, maybe. But th this whole piece of it, I think, will be wonderful for our audience 
who has no appreciation. Like, so let's say, for example, you go to a family party, right? And and a 15-year-old kid of one of your cousins says, what do you do for a living? How would you give them the so-called elevator speech about what you do to make fans sound good? Uh, my go-to response to that is usually I take sonic chaos and turn it into art. Oh, I love that. That's I love that. That really is. Yeah, that that that's and they that usually flies over their head, and then I have to go and explain to them exactly what, what I do. And even conversation, they're going to walk away and tell their buddies that I was a DJ. So I mean, <laughs> usually the way that goes, you know, welcome to yeah. my world. You know, sound guy, yeah. sound guy is key, man. I can't even tell you. We got a bad sound mix or a bad sound guy, or you know, and they're out there like any profession. Some guys are really great. Some guys are not so great. Right. And we we've had guys like thing is feeding back like crazy and he's nowhere to be found because he's right. on his little ipad who knows where <laughs> yeah so we're stopping what we're doing we're looking around for the sound guy you don't want to get on the mic like, where are you right uh right but but it can make or break your 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 band experience and 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 you put you in the zone or take you out of the zone yeah that's exactly right because i mean what we're trying is really just make sure all the levels are in the correct channels like guitar one is one channel kick is in the kick channel we really don't sculpt it into this beautiful sculpture until the band actually starts playing and we get two or three four songs under our belt and now we have everybody settled in with how they're going to perform on stage we've got compression set in in a nice place where it's still dynamic and everything to death um my favorite thing and the bane of my existence is karen's who come up to you like eight bars into the first song like i can't hear the vocals i'm like yeah neither can working on it you know can you give me a second or two here i mean they only gave us 30 minutes to do a 90 minute setup you know so it was throwing go i call it combat audio you know yeah. we're just trying to get the show going can i have to call in please you know so we talk about that a lot on the channel i try to you know help out when i can uh sometimes we bring our own mics and you know the guy he drapes the wire over and i'll stick it in there you know little things little things sure Sure. No, it, it it's so. How do you how do you deal on an interpersonal level? You you could push off the Karen, but that's sort of bad for your business model. So how do you handle the Karen to support your business model? Or are you just busy <laughs> enough you don't have to worry about Karen? <laughs> this is an ongoing conversation with production guys. Like this conversation never ends like every time yeah. i get into a source some of my competitors which we're all friends by the way and we talk to each other so we we yeah. if one guy blackballs a band you're probably gonna get black production guys as we all talk to each other but you know some guys just ignore them you know I, it depends on you know the caliber of the gig you know who it is that's complaining you know if it's the person that writes the check i might smile and nod yeah okay thanks for the input i'll make some adjustments that yeah. rarely happens, but you know, usually the people paying for the gig is smart enough to kind of just stay out somebody's girlfriend or you know, someone who's a friend of the band who thinks they know something about pro audio. I mean, the reality of it is even most of the promoters and the bar owners have no idea what it is that we do. You know, they know we load in a bunch of equipment, set it up and make noise. And then if it doesn't squeal and feed back all night, they really don't know if if the guitar was nice and fat or if the kick was, you know, really, or the snare sounded like trash or they, yeah, as crazy as it sounds, the singer sang out of key half the night. You know, it, you know, it's amazing how when you're playing 
in the right songs that the crowd wants to hear, how much of that they don't even catch, you know? So yeah. they really don't have any idea what it is that we do, you know? So I just try to be, I try to be decent, but man, there's been times where I've been like, you need to pay for me before I have somebody throw you out of here. I'm well, trying to work. Looking out for your equipment, you know, how many people yeah. come up and put a beer on the monitor or the, or the guitar player's got yeah, his yeah. foot on your gear yeah. or, or they're kicking over, they're kicking over suds and, you know, yeah. they don't put anything on their amp. All right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> pedal board, sure. And you can put a, do not put drinks here on the subs and that drinks all night. Karen puts oh, the yeah. drink on there every time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And grabs the yeah. tambourine off the stage. My favorite line is, I'll ask them yeah. what they do for a living. And, uh, you know, I had one lady say, she's like, well, I'm a, I'm a bus driver. It was a drummer's girlfriend at a gig. And she wanted the drums to be louder, to be stellar. And I was not going to jack with it, no matter who, who, what anybody said. And ride your bus with you and tell you when to make a left turn and, you know, how to drive the school bus and when to hit the brakes and stuff like that. Or do I follow you at work and throw rocks at you while you're mowing? You know, like I'll say that sometimes, and they usually don't know how to respond to that, and they'll just walk it. away. You know? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's cool. So I want I want to segue a little bit now. Um, so we got you on here because you've got an amazing online presence. So let let's talk. We were talking before we started taping because we did a show before we did a show, like we always do. Uh, right. And when the beer flows, it gets even better. Um, <laughs> but so. How has your your internet presence? That's the wrong word. That's like an old man word. Your social media presence. <laughs> I am an old man, um, but Scott's a few months older than I am. I think. Um, but how? <laughs> how I've, has I have a young wife to offset that? That's right. We can't say it. Um, <laughs> by the way, before I'll interrupt myself, take a look at your screen right now. CLP audio and staging. Take your phone. Take a picture of that QR code, and. <laughs> That is how you get to all the great stuff that JR does. But you you have this fun, helpful, informative online presence. So how has that impacted upon your business model? Man, I mean, when we first started this, it was really just a joke. And within 30 days, my phone was just going nuts. I mean, really? absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like we just on Facebook and Instagram, and believe me, it's, we're not making a lot of money there, but at least we're monetized now. So we're moving in the right direction. We're probably another year, year and a half away from being monetized on YouTube. Um, I, I, we really don't care that much for TikTok, even though we're dumping content there every day during the week. Um, it just brought an, an, an awareness to my company, brought depth to people's perception of who I am because I let them into my world and I let them into my mind and the way yeah. I think about the industry, the way I think about bands. Um, I have always been someone who has groomed bands. You know, I've just, for whatever reason, I've always been that guy that bands came to. A lot of it comes from my reputation as a sound engineer. They bought me credit and earned the right to speak into their lives. And uh, I was able to say, look, if you do this and you do this and you do this, I know these things work. You know, I was really super blessed when I was coming up in this business in the early 90s uh, to be around guys that were very business conscious, marketing conscious. And I learned all this stuff from, you know, some of the guys that were getting it done the better. So nothing has really changed in in how we 
how we want to present the band, what has changed is how we get that information to the people of influence. So that's basically what the whole grumpy sound guy thing did for me was it was letting people into my world that may have only worked with me once or knew that I was this great sound engineer that runs band and they play in another band that doesn't have the budget to hire us because they're playing C rooms or whatever, whatever the case is. It, it just opened up all these people's perception uh, to who I was, you know, like, wow, this guy's a lot deeper than what we thought he was. We just thought he was a sound engineer. And here he has all this knowledge about how to market bands and how to make a band successful. The last band was a classic rock band. It was sponsored by Budweiser. I managed that band and all the things that I tell bands today, I had put into use with that band. That band broke up 10 years ago. So go back. That band was together seven years, so go back 17 years when we were wow. all posted on MySpace. You know, I was still doing all the same stuff I'm telling bands to do now. You know, transitions are you know the importance of you know song selection. Play the freaking songs right. You know, I mean all the simple basic fundamentals that people miss because they get too lost in buying guitars or the, the whole persona. They want to be office superstar. They're really not interested in being an A band. They just want to be that, you know, well, that's all stuff that, man, the culture of guys that I came up in the business with, I'm shocked at how shocked people are to hear this knowledge. Cause I'm like, right. This is just like commonplace stuff. And I've heard it on you your think, channel. You think it is. I know, but you think it's yeah. commonplace, but it's not. You guys yeah. talk about this stuff all the time. You know, it's we like, do, yeah. 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 Give, give us your top two or three dumbest things you've seen bands do. <laughs> oh man. Dumbest thing. Uh, well, the first thing would be piss off the sound engineer in the first five minutes in the venue. That's Good never going to go well. Yeah. It's never going to go well. I am so completely anal about the mix being a representation of who I am that even yeah. if you piss me off, I'm still going to try to give you the best. That mix belongs to me. You know, that right. that's how I view that, you know. But really just being a complete freaking asshound, man, and, you know, coming in and acting like a fool and act like these guys, I was just talking the other day on, on one of the reels about band members who claim to be sound engineers. And then they want to come in and they want to you know, tell me how to do my job all night. And that's only going to happen once with me. So I'll never answer the phone again. You know, I mean, I'm crazy screaming busy. I don't need that kind of drama. Um, but stupid things, you know. Uh, snorting cocaine in the bathroom and getting caught by security. You know, I had a couple guys in a venue I was working with. That might sound really rock and roll, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But in a venue that is a family-oriented venue where I came in and caught yeah. you guys, you know, you were in the bathroom doing this junk, and the security happened to walk in just as it was going down. And those guys played in multiple bands that were big bands in this venue. And the owner just axed every one of the bands without question. He had a zero yeah. tolerance for that kind of stuff. And I'm like, dude, go do that stuff in a parking lot like the rest of the world. You know, don't bring that stuff in here and, <laughs> and do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, we play uh, kid friendly, you know, family friendly shows. We're not allowed to curse. And you sure. believe when I'm at that venue and I'm not in the band, I'm a, I'm a patron how many right. times they slip up <laughs> yeah i mean that's yeah. not a hard rule yeah. to follow but but it does, guy, it, I, look i've got a it ain't coke but I've it's got, still this is off the management when yeah. you say shit yeah. or f or whatever right right 
Look, man, I'm I'm as guilty as having a trailer park mouth as, as rest as, as everybody else is, you know. But the thing is, is a, a radio personality buddy of mine told me one time, I'm like, dude, how do you not drop drop f bombs on the radio? Because I spent some time in radio a thousand yeah. years ago, and he was like, I just don't drop that kind of f bombs in my personal life. He's like, when you're habit of not cursing or at least using big crazy major curse words in your day-to-day life you don't have to worry about slipping up on you know on air and it's the same way you know when you're playing in a band or whatever you know and i I really think that makes a band look tacky look i drop f-bombs like everybody else but when you're on stage i think you're held to a higher level of accountability and i think it just may drop an f-bomb word man that's just my opinion It, it could sound a little pandering to the audience and a little crass. And, 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 and I think these days you're not edgy because you drop an F bomb. I mean, network television has it at this point almost, you know? So sure. you, I don't, I don't, sure. I don't think you're getting credibility street cred with F bombs. Now I right. think you just look like you, you, you don't, you haven't found a more creative way to be edgy. Well, there's right. some songs that actually have curses in them. Right. right. Yeah. Sing Enemy, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kick the living shit out of me and, and, and worst enemy that we play all the time. And then yeah, I get to the chorus yeah. and I go, no cursing at Martell's or whatever. And, and make a <laughs> yeah, joke right. out of it. Because I'll say right. crap. Let them say shit. Right. The yeah. venue doesn't want right. you to curse it, into the mic. It can be a real fun game to make up other things to put in the place of yeah. curse words that really only the band will catch. You know? I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. And, now, give us one more. Give us another just the stupid shit <laughs> that you've yeah. seen bands do or not do. Um, Take as long as you want. I could edit this out. <laughs> I think, I you're going to um, like look like you're snappy with the answers, JR. Really. Or we keep it in because that was I, pretty I, cool. With Scott I, think the way, I think people, a lot of bands make mistakes by not taking what they're doing seriously. And it makes them Amen. look like an ass, you know, yeah. like they, they show up late. They take forever to get, you know, uh, set up. They want to set up there and tune their drums for 30 minutes while the dinner crowd is still there, you know, and things like that. Or or there's a second stage like I, I did. I just finished a summer concert series here locally where we had a big stage and then about I don't know, 80 or 100 feet in front of us, probably about 80 feet in front of us was a, an acoustic stage that played the first part of the show. And the band, this guy was playing his first set. In fact, we would do sound check during his break. He only did two sets. Um, and, you know, guys would start honking on their guitars and drums, and I'd have to be like, whoa, dude, you need you need to, to pump the brakes. This guy's on stage down here, and I don't want to be disrespectful yeah. to him. Um, I wish I had, like, some, some more, like, super crazy like people blacked out on stage or, you know, I had one, the singer and the bass player almost got in a fist fight right at the end of the night, at the climax of the night. Like oh, there it's assholes to elbows about 50 feet in front of the stage. And these guys are yelling at each other on stage and pushing each other. Wow. That's probably the craziest thing recently. Um, I like that one. Yeah. I like assholes yeah. to elbows. I'm going to use that from now on. Yeah. When I talk to Johnny Compton over there in West Virginia, I'm going to drop that on him. He's going to. Where'd you learn elbows to asshole? Right, yeah, by the way, right, do you know? Right. Do you know Johnny? I don't. Where's he at in West Virginia? God only knows. He's no, a- but he's in a band called Hair Supply. Do you know them? Never heard of them. 
because West Virginia is probably I mean, about half the size of Jersey. I think something. It's I guess it's big enough where you wouldn't. It's not that incestuous there. The, but you would know. Well, a lot yeah, of people. Is when you tell people you're from West Virginia, they're like, "Oh, do you know so and so?" Like we, we all have like a weekly meeting, and you know, everyone's you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I, I live in that little football shaped thing that's kind of the thumb of the state. You know, okay. the eastern panhandle, and we are radically different than the rest of the state because, and I'm from here. I've lived here my whole life. Because we are a bedroom community for DC, you know, and we look more like Frederick, Maryland, and Leesburg. Okay, gotcha. You right. know, than what we do the rest of the state. I am only ninety minutes from Inner Harbor or ninety minutes from the the mall in DC. You know, it's gotcha. a great place to live because the taxes are cheap, and I'm within striking distance of all you know two big markets, you know, or whatever. I, I so, went to. Uh, um, I, I don't know where he's yeah. at. He may be further. He might be, yeah. I I um I went to GW and one of my summers um for money I worked for their building department. Half mm-hmm. from, half the people who worked there lived in West Virginia. I can't believe you yeah. went to Get Wasted University. <laughs> I did, <laughs> and, and I did. <laughs> I went to UR. Yeah, I'm probably and, uh, um. Yeah. yeah. I'm probably three hours from Morgantown, where WVU is. You know, oh, that's okay. down. That's down in the middle of the state. Just north of Charleston, Charleston, I think, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. And when you go down, whenever I go down to Morgantown to do a gig or something, it's always a culture shock because it's so radically different than what it is up here on the I-81 corridor. Because we're sandwiched between Winchester, Virginia and Hagerstown on I-81, you know? So I, I, I'm on, I, pass through, I pass through your neck of the woods all the time because my kids go to Tulane, so I take 81. So yeah, I passed through that little sliver. I was there in May. Yeah. I passed through that little sure. sliver, and I'm in, I'm I'm in West Virginia for maybe what thirty minutes. Is that how long eighty one goes? It's twenty six miles of redneck love. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, and it's pretty. It looks like it. You know, it, it's yeah. nothing different. You just see the sign "Welcome to West Virginia." Sure. Know. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. And I didn't realize three hours you could drive. Th- I thought it was smaller than that. No. No. Now, the, the joke is, this is West Virginia. We live here. <laughs> that's Wheeling. That's, this is the Eastern Panhandle. <laughs> Scott, I think we've been disrespected. Oh, no. <laughs> if you're from so, West Virginia, you're laughing right now. because you know, It's like I live in a little town called Inwood, and our famous saying is, it's all good in Inwood. You know? <laughs> I like it. And, and you're where the Waltons were, right? Uh, not quite. Not quite. <laughs> no, I'm in West Virginia, though. They were. They, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The Wal- yeah, the Waltons were in West Virginia. I think that I was Southern that. West Virginia. Okay. We'll have to ask Johnny where he's from. We will. Over there at Hillbilly Cal- yeah. Hillbilly Caviar Studios. <laughs> I yeah. think we just discovered each other on TikTok, if I'm not mistaken. Like, like literally like a week ago or something, his thing came up in my feed, and I seen West Virginia, and I was friend. So I followed him, and he followed back. And he's liked a bunch of my videos and vice versa, but we haven't had a chance to actually correspond yet to see where we are in proximity of each other. He's Great worth guy. knowing. He's very. He's just a good human being. I, I keep threatening I'm going to sure. come down to West Virginia and jam with him and stuff. And I don't know. It's just never going to happen. Cool. I don't think, but I would like it to happen. Yeah, he's a good guy. Cool, cool. Well, here's the crazy thing about our show. So, if you weren't looking at a watch, you would. What would you say? We've been chatting about 10 or 15 minutes. Oh, 15 <laughs> minutes stops. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking right now. We're at 51. Right. Exactly. People are shocked. 
Uh, so when you have a great yeah. guest and a great time, the show just absolutely flies. 51 minutes of ranting. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So, so, so before we wrap things up, how do people, you don't need anyone to find you, but how do people find you? If you're interested in the Grumpy Sound Guy content, you can literally just go to YouTube and search the Grumpy Sound Guy and you'll find the channel. Uh, same thing on TikTok, I believe. You can look me up on all the socials. Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter. It's one of them kind of there, but I don't check yeah, it very doing. often. I'm on Facebook most of the time because I'm old. That's where all us old yeah. people are on we, Facebook. We're all comfortable on it, right? right. We feel safe so we, there. we know the format. We don't want anybody on our lawn. We don't want to change how anything is set up. So, you know, Facebook. So if you look for yeah. J.R. Everhart, you'll find me there. If you look for CLP Audio and Staging, if you Google CLP Audio and Staging, you'll find me. Company website. I have a brand new website to marketing people. Just released two days ago. CLPAudio.com is where I you like can find it. me. I like it. I looked at it today. It's got this scroll where yeah. you could press the arrow left and right. Sure. And it's yeah, yeah. And nice we're getting ready to... We're getting ready to unroll in about another four or five weeks uh, subscription-based consultation because we're getting people who want that. Ooh. So, I mean, for a small monthly fee, you could bring me on board with your band's team for me to critique you, to help you, to come out okay. and set up a start scene in your sound system. Uh, if you're a bar who can't afford to hire a guy of my expertise level full time for a monthly fee, I can come in, do maintenance to your rig once a month, and I can train your people and Ooh. also funnel people into your into your venue and help you get staffed correctly because I'm super networked with tons of sound engineers. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of really cool, fun stuff coming. Probably going to hit November with all that sort of stuff. And we'll have two different categories. We'll have one for the corporate entities that will be one price point, And then we'll have one for like the normal cover band musician, local guy, even like a local church that has a small budget that just wants someone be like me to come in and keep their staff dialed in once a month or something. So we're real excited about that. That's the next level of this on this. That, that on is something a lot of people could use. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I believe is, so too. Yeah. Yeah. That's there's definitely a, a market for that for sure. Yeah. Just step into any club <laughs> and you'll see sure. you, you, yeah. you could start ranting right away and say like, this needs to be fixed. That needs to be fixed. You know, well, and the thing is, is if you get if you what we're working on, we haven't dialed it all in yet. But if you get some of the the bigger packages where there's more, you know, more amenities in those packages, you even get discounts on my services. And we're working on a bump free booking. What I mean by that is a lot of times, like say I work for Band A over here, you know, twelve, fifteen times a year. But in the summertime, when I have $10,000, you know, food truck festivals coming in that need stage sound and lights, it's hard for me to take this, you know, $1,500 gig when I got 10 grand laying on the table over here. Well, yeah. there'll be a certain layer of the subscription-based stuff that if you're vested in that, you'll get a you'll get a bump guarantee where you won't get bumped. So your gigs will be solid with us. And uh, I think that's going to be super popular because that's probably one of the biggest challenges I have right now. Guys, I turned down probably 200 shows this year. Wow. And, wow. and I swore to God that I was only going to do, I did 180. This year, I said, I'm backing it off. I'm going to do about a, a buck and a quarter, 125 shows. Right now, if I don't book another show and I got a bunch of time open here in the fall, I'm at 187 shows. 
So, I mean, wow. I'm a small company. I'm trying to stay small. I've got two or three part-time 1099 guys that work with me, and we're just trying to keep it personal so that we can keep the consistency of what we do at CLP today. I love that. I absolutely love it. And, you know, and, and on behalf of Scott and I, I want to thank you. This, this is a topic we haven't covered before. And, and I think, you know, our listeners are, are really going to get a lot out of it. And it's even my cool, way to man. pay homage to all the sound guys, you know, that I've worked with over the years. Uh, they've, they've all been terrific. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you said about not pissing sound guys off when you first get there. Listen to me, band guys. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Let them hook up the stuff. Let them get the mic going. Don't be testing out the, 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 the distortion channel on your guitar when the guy's got his ear right up to the amp looking to play do the mic placement. Come on. Yeah. It's yeah. basic stuff basic stuff and i mean that the bottom line about that scenario is if you're going into a venue that's had the same forever he knows that room better than anybody you know follow his lead and i promise you your band will sound like dynamite yeah Good stone stuff. pony best sound in in, in town around here they Love got it. they got separate sound guys for for monitoring separate sound guys for front of house and it always sure. sounds amazing it's not super loud it just sounds right really clear and crispy you could hear everything it's always amazing yeah. sound there it really is sure well, this has been five minutes that became an hour <laughs> uh, thank you this was thanks fun. for this having was really me on man show. absolutely as we always say you come here a stranger you leave a friend you know yeah, absolutely. absolutely so we had a absolutely. great and time i keep telling paul i'm going to come yeah. up and sneak up here when i do i'll let you know we'll all get together and have a beer yeah definitely. oh we absolutely will here, we'll, we'll yeah. share a Genesee. That's the crap I'm drinking tonight. Genesee, when there's <laughs> nothing better in your fridge. <laughs> I just came up with that one. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Um, again, I say it at the beginning now. Thanks to Aaron, who reminded me through Scott, Scott's wife. Um, subscribe, but it gets buried if it's at the end of the show. Thank you again, and we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Sure. We're going to take Thanks, us out with a little uh, Big Daddy... Big Daddy Abe on the Amish Outlaws. I love this bumper. Oh, you got to stick around and watch this. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I'm number two. I'm number two. No, I was the second. That's right. I was the second one. The second on Guitar Tales, ladies and gentlemen. You're watching it right now. I'm Big Daddy Abe with the Amish Outlaws. I got to go back to work. Here we go. Tails, watch